It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to thank everyone who is tuned in. Um, and we want to encourage you to share um, and subscribe to our podcast wherever podcasts can be heard. So with that being said, I have two very special guests in the building. We are going to be talking with two of my coworkers, Heather and Sarah. So without further ado, I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Could you ladies tell us a little bit about your professional background and then we'll get this thing started. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie, for having us. Um, so my name is Heather Bross, and I am now a coach with the Office of Personalized Learning. And prior to that, um, I'm actually from up north in Michigan, taught okay. up there for 20 years. And um, really towards the last five years of my career, decided that something just wasn't really working and wasn't really meeting the needs of all my kids. So mm -hmm. in doing a little investigating, I found um, a nonprofit called um, Reinventing Schools Coalition. Mm -hmm. And this nonprofit just really um, opened the door wide, wide for me in personalized learning. Okay. And so I really found a space with them and ended up working for them and became a national presenter and trainer with them, um, which was eventually uh, working with the Marzano uh, Research uh, Organization as well, and which led me to South Carolina, working with Charleston County Schools, where I actually met Sarah. Yay! Hey, perfect segue. <laughs> so Sarah, tell us a little bit about you. Um, so I have been a South Carolinian my whole life, and so, well, yeah, we're down south here. Um, so I started as a kindergarten and first grade teacher um, and then transitioned into literacy coaching, um, which I really loved. Um, but then I um, found an open position in Charleston, which was a personalized learning coach, and I had no idea what it was, but the description of it sounded like it aligned with what I thought best practices in literacy were. Mm -hmm. So I ended up um, taking the job and just a whole new world opened up to me of what mm -hmm. education could look like. So I did that for a few years and then other instructional coaching. And so I've been a, an instructional coach in some form or fashion for the majority of, of my career in South Carolina. Okay, awesome. We have a lot of coaches and a lot of educational leaders across the state that are helping to support teachers along their journey. And a lot of them have questions about how to go about doing that. So we're gonna play a little game. Um, I've come up with a series of questions that we've heard um, time and time again throughout our work across the state. Um, and so what I'm gonna do is allow you guys to choose a question and then we'll talk about it, okay? Okay. okay. All right, who wants to go first? Sarah, you go first. <laughs> Notice that you asked and then you're like, Sarah, you go first. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay, this is a good one. What are ways I can encourage and continue to push teachers in my building who are taking the steps towards personalizing student learning? Okay. Um, so I think this question depends if you're a coach or a building leader, but I'm gonna take it as, as a coach. Mm -hmm. um, so I think when I'm talking to other coaches about supporting their teachers, this question has the word push. And Elena Aguilar has a great quote in her book, The Art of Coaching, that says, trust, then push. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, you cannot push a teacher to do, well, basically anything, especially something as um, unknown as personalizing learning if they don't trust you first. So you have to build those relationships if you don't have them already and not just a superficial kind of relationship of, hey, how was your weekend? How's your family doing? That That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is that they trust you as a not necessarily an expert in what you're doing, but someone who's going to support them in what they're doing. So it's a, a relationship builder as a personal like human being, but also um, as an educator. Um, so I'd say that's, that's one way. Okay. Um, and then I would also say that you need to... Make sure that teachers aren't biting off more than they can chew. Hmm. Teachers are notorious for wanting to just do it all, which mm-hmm. we love to say, you know, start small, um, scale fast. But you, the start small is what sometimes people skip. They just want to go straight in. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about where are the bite-sized chunks that I can take, and sometimes teachers can't see that path. So as a coach, you have to be the one to say, okay, so here's, you know, a couple of choices for step one. And now that you feel comfortable with that, let's look at step two. Because what you don't want to do is feel incredibly overwhelmed when you start this kind of a change like personalization and then just stop. Yeah. So I'd say those are. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, ditto to everything Sarah just said. The building of the relationships and the trust Mm -hmm. um, and also having that professional respect that's back and forth that you trust them to do their job. They trust you and know that, especially as leaders, that you are there to support them. That's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing, too, with leadership is just allowing, um, well, and building that culture, which follows along the same line, but allowing people to fail and knowing that that's okay i'm Mm. not observing everything you do i'm here to support everything you do Mm -hmm. so it's okay if we stumble a little bit have to take a couple steps backwards to go forward now there is a difference between um from a leadership perspective a culture of observation and a Mm -hmm. culture of support can y'all talk a little bit more about the difference between those two because there may be you know, educational leaders who feel like when I observe you and I'm checking off to see whether or not you're doing what you need to do, I'm supporting you because I'm telling you what you need to do and what you're not doing. What's the difference there? Well, and I I think if we look at the 4.0 rubric that we have out there right now and and the way that that is set up, it really does lend itself very nicely for leadership to yes be that person that yes we have accountability and and that's where we you know we we are that we are there Mm -hmm. but it allows for our leadership to now flip it a little bit to to make it a coaching situation Mm. um there's you know people are going to make mistakes and we're not in the same place um as our next door neighbor you know Mm -hmm. in our classrooms so um and we're not we're just not all at the same place Mm -hmm. so it's, I understand, yes, we've got the accountability pieces and leadership has to, they have to hold themselves accountable for that as well. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that we are very lucky in South Carolina because we do have those things like that 4.0 in place mm-hmm. that is very transparent and follows along the personalized learning framework as well mm-hmm. to where you can sit down and look at that 4.0 and say, okay, so where do you think you're at? Here's where I see you at because here's what I heard your kids say. Here's what mm. I saw your kids doing. Mm. 
and it lends itself very, very well to that. Um, the SLOs as well, you know, creating those student, student learning objectives that can lend themselves very well to a growth process, not a punishment mm -hmm. process. Yeah, I feel like it's it. the culture of observation versus support, that can be one piece of it, but the larger piece is who are we centered and focused on? Mm -hmm. right. If you're centered and focused on a teacher and you're trying to do it a catch or a gotcha, that that's not, no matter what you're trying to do, if you think you're trying to support, you know, Diane Sweeney's student-centered coaching model tries to take that off. You know, it really is mm -hmm. about the kids and it, it, it doesn't depersonalize it from the teacher, but it shows what our focus is on. It's not on fixing you, it's on the students. And that um, 4.0 rubric, a lot of it, the wording is also very similar. Children have you know, opportunities to pursue things that are personally interesting to them. Mm -hmm. That's very focused on kids. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that helps as well when you're thinking of it in that vein. Okay. All right, y'all. You actually touched on a lot of things that <laughs> might be in my question <laughs> okay. cup, but we're going to okay. roll with it anyway. <laughs> All right, Heather. <laughs> Okay, I've heard your office talk about how important culture is when shifting towards personalizing student learning. What are some ways to access and build culture in my building? Great question. Um, and yeah, we might've touched on that just a little bit, but there's some really simple ways when you're just getting into this work. Mm -hmm. The first thing um, in the research that I've done in the schools that I've worked with you have to have a shared vision in the path that you're going to take. Hmm. So you might have a mission or a vision that, you know, the school or the district has come up with, and that's fine. Um, but let's take a look at where, where does that school or that district really want to go? Out of their staff members, get their voice mm -hmm. and figure out what is really important to them. And if you already do have a mission or a vision that you know, is very strong and out there, unpack it. Mm -hmm. What does it really mean if we're, you know, helping kids own their learning or whatever that vision or mission might be? What does that really, really mean? Mm -hmm. And everything that you're doing and all the goals that you have in your school should align to that vision. And if they don't, then maybe we need to revisit and see if that is a path we want to take or not. Mm -hmm. um, but just having that that shared voice and creating that vision is a huge step in building the culture to where you feel like you're in a safe environment um, and that you can build that collective efficacy with people because you've got shared beliefs. What is collective efficacy for those who've never heard that term before? <laughs> that's a loaded term. That's another podcast, baby. That, that, that is another podcast. <laughs> we love Hattie. Collective efficacy and all of that um, great research. It's a, the way I would define it is, and I just visited a school in the upstate um, this past week that I was like, this is collective efficacy. Mm. It was where all the teachers, in my opinion, are working towards the same goal and do it in the seamless kind of way where not only are, are they on the same path, but they're supporting each other even if they're in different parts of that path. Mm. It is like truly everyone moving forward as one, but you still have autonomy within that. It is mm -hmm. a beautiful thing when you have a school that has true collective efficacy with teachers. Like they truly are moving forward together. Absolutely, and, and you said something really important in there. Everybody's supporting each other. Mm. So we're no longer competing Mm -hmm. for the best classroom, um, you know, that's the best classroom, classroom scores. That's right. not at all what we're, they're all our kids. 
-hmm. We're all a team. We're all working together towards this goal. And really, you know, when you're looking at personalized learning, you're looking at a shift in a belief, Mm -hmm. in a belief of the way you teach. So um, luckily here in South Carolina with the framework, we've got those elements to help get there. But the, the shift in the belief really needs to happen in order to to really change the traditional system that we have. Mm-hmm. I got you. Do y'all have any other um, suggestions for ways that um, school leadership or coaches can help to build that culture? I know you talked about uh, relationships um, as well being a key to that. Um, what are some other ways that schools can build culture to set the stage for, for making that shift towards personalizing learning? Well, one of the things too is um, now that we've got, you know, we've we've come up with that shared vision, we're, we're on the same path, we're working on that collective eff- efficacy, then it's looking at what does that really mean on our, in our day-to-day lives. So that might be changing the way our professional learning hmm. is. So our professional learning communities, um, department chair meetings, those things, do we have voice in there? Is there... You know, is there a shared belief inside that room when we're talking about learning? And is that learning focused on our students? Hmm. We say all the time, if, if we're asking teachers to personalize for students, are we doing the same for our teachers as learners? Because it becomes kind of like an empty promise if we're saying, well, you need to do this for students because it's best practice for learners. Mm-hmm. But then teachers are learners too. Mm-hmm. So if we're not treating them the same way, like Heather's mm-hmm. saying, that, that culture is just halfway there Mm. it's not a full um, embodiment of your entire school right okay all right ladies well let's move on to question number three and i will read that for us looking all at the questions cheating all right here we go okay as a coach i have struggled with getting all of my teachers on board with trying this new approach new air quotations um to student-centered learning any suggestions so I'm struggling with getting all of my teachers on board with, with personalizing student learning. Do y'all have any suggestions? I think when it says what I focus on, and Heather might focus on something different, is the getting all of my teachers on board. So mm-hmm. like that phrase has a, it's like a loaded That's phrase. Loaded, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, I was going the same place. Yeah, because it's like, okay, <laughs> well, if you're saying you're getting all of your teachers on board, that, that word makes it sound like you're doing most of the heavy lifting as a coach. And that's not what this is all about. Um, So, yes, you're doing some support, but teachers have to come a certain way with it, too. Um, And we talk about the Rogers adoption curve in coaching and how teachers are, you know, depending on where they are, their experiences in life, they can be a a trailblazer and an innovator. And yes, let me try this. And they can be reluctant and scared and worried and nervous. And both of those are completely valid ways of being when you're talking about change so you have to keep in mind the teachers that you're struggling to get you know on board there's probably some reasons why and they might not come all at the same time and that's okay that is okay that's really you mean i can't make my whole school personalized learning in one year it's probably not going to happen it'd be great if it did but that's a really this is not just, um, you know, the U-Haul backs up and we dump off a program and say, here, if you do this, you're mm-hmm. going to be personalized learning. Right. You will be personalized learning, you mm-hmm. know, um, or we're doing personalized learning. It is such a, sh- it, it is an actual um, shift in the philosophy 
of your belief in teaching. And that is not an easy thing to do. You're talking about transformational change and it's very, very difficult. And Elena speaks to it really well in her books and um, Sweeney touches on it with just trying to be student-centered. It's a, it's a big shift. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Knight speaks to it as well when he's trying to you know, look at what are those best practices as a coach. We can't force people to do it. We mm-hmm. really have to work at chipping away and just really work at um, building those relationships. It's just, the, it's just, I know we keep going back to it, but mm-hmm. that culture and that relationship building is so vital. And I think, you know, you can use some of the tools like learner profiles. Well, mm-hmm. we can have learner profiles for our, our teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, if we really get to know how do they best learn, what do they feel is important, mm-hmm. um, how can I make that connection with them when sometimes it's way easier to make connections with people that you've got something in common with. Right. What do I do to try to make a connection with someone that I might not have that much in common with? How do I find that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but finding those early adapters and then finding those first followers, that's, that's the trick. That's the piece where, you know, I'm going to work with, you know, we go to, back to coaching cycles, which all of our good coaches talk about too in mm-hmm. their books. Because um, when, we got a, when we've got a coaching cycle going on, um, I'm going to put my focus and work, work my magic with a team who wants to move forward first. Mm-hmm. Then, we, then we pull some people along. You know, they start wondering, well, what is it that you're doing? Well, mm-hmm. can I learn more about that too? Mm. Um, so it's, it's just a shift in the way that we do a lot of things. Coaching being one of them, you have to shift the way um, that you're approaching the learning. Okay. All right, ladies, well, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we are back. <laughs> Um, so we are hopping into part two of our conversation with Heather and Sarah, and I have a couple more questions, and I was trying to, like, pick some of them out, because just trying to be conservative of time, but they're just so good, so we're just going to have to randomly pick (laughs) three of these, so, um, let's see, I'll let you pick one of them. Okay, when I go into classrooms to look for aspects of personalized learning, what should I be looking for? What does PL look like? Ooh, that's how many times have we heard question number one? I can only count the ways. (laughs) What does PL look like? And people never like our answer. I know they don't because our answer is it looks different in every single classroom you go to, which is so um, it's such the antithesis to what traditional education is like. That Mm -hmm. that's why it's so scary to people. They're Mm -hmm. like, no, in some way, shape, or form, everything looks the same. You know, Mm -hmm. from school district Mm -hmm. to district pl does not um so it's going to depend on your district it's going to depend on your school it's going to depend on your teacher and your students but one part that i feel like we can go more specifically into is what should i be looking for Mm -hmm. um which is really um, a good um, segue into our framework Uh, south carolina has a framework for personalized learning which includes four major components student ownership learning pathways learning learner profiles and flexible learning environments um 
So that is a nice way to begin, and our office is actually working now on um, some tools that can maybe help coaches um, think about what might fall underneath those things. But what we don't want to do is, you know, make it so narrow and confined that then it leaves someone out who may have an amazing idea mm-hmm. for learning pathways, and it's something we haven't, you know, thought of yet. Um, I will say that when I was going into classrooms coaching this work not just what I was looking for, it was what I was hearing. Mm. And it was a lot from the kids, which I learned from Heather because and, and her group as they worked with us in Charleston, it wasn't going to the teacher. It wasn't um, necessarily looking at what the kids were doing. It was going to a student and asking, you know, what are you working on right now? Why are you working on it? How will you know, you know, when you're done with it or when you're finished with this standard and then what's next? And that, even just those three or four questions made such a huge difference in a classroom that was maybe just starting with some elements of emerging personalization and ones that were really well on their way. The answers Mm -hmm. would be very different. Absolutely, yeah. And and, um, luckily, having that framework, um, even though I know a lot of people, they're like, tighten that up because we mm-hmm. want to know what does it look like. And we go right back to it again. Different, looks different everywhere you go. But having that framework also does give us some elements mm-hmm. that you might that you might look for depending on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. So if the goal that you're building has decided or your grade level team has decided on to work on or just your classroom teacher alone has decided to work on, those might be the things as a leader or as a coach, um, either way, if I'm a principal or if I'm a coach, when I'm going into a classroom, um, I'm going to have those three questions that are focused on that goal. Mm-hmm. Now, as a leader of a school, my recommendation, I would coach them to try to have a school goal of where you want to go. That still might look different in every classroom, mm-hmm. but you can still find like maybe three questions that when you go into the classrooms, you can ask those three questions that are going to lead you to well, where are we inside of our school on that goal Mm -hmm. so for instance if you're looking at um you know learner profiles maybe Mm -hmm. that's a goal everybody wants to have a learner profile by the end of um, by the end of the year or something like that so if you're looking at learner profiles then come up with three questions that you can ask the students Mm -hmm. um what you know just randomly as you go into classrooms and that then will be able to lead you to you've got some data now Mm -hmm. you know you've got some data of where people are Mm -hmm. and where you want to go next it helps set that goal um helps set that next goal but um yeah as far as what you should be looking for i think it really it just depends on what the goal is of again the district the school the classroom okay all right so here's our next question which I feel like we have kind of touched on already, but I'll do, I'll read it anyway. Um, No, actually I chose another one. Okay, so here we go. Um, As a coach or educational leader, how would I explain what personalized learning is to an educator who has only known the traditional way of teaching and doing school? 
Yeah, and that's that's Ooh. kind of coming up with that elevator speech, right? That yeah. we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're riding up in the elevator and you're mm-hmm. stuck with someone and they say, hey, what do you do? Right, <laughs> right. And you say, like, oh. wow, do you have a, you know, that's what a floor are you question. going to? Because we have a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, having those conversations through the years, personalized learning, um, you can go about it a couple different ways. When you're talking with a fellow teacher, you can kind of use those the, the educational terminology of, hey, well, we've got this personalized learning framework, and these are the four components of that. And so that's kind of where we're working, you know, towards. When you're talking with, you know, a parent or, like you said, maybe someone who hasn't even looked at that terminology, mm-hmm. but they're in education, we're just looking to meet kids where they are to help that whole child develop. Mm-hmm. So it's a student-centered um, approach to learning okay, and all that that involves. Okay. Thoughts, Sarah? I, I think that's, yeah, it's like when I say that to people, student-centered, like, okay, yeah, that's what yeah, we already do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll always say, well, student-centered with a bit of a punch. You mm-hmm. know, imagine basically when we say all the time our office is disrupting the status quo <clears> of education. <throat> so it's, um, it, you know, when you're talking systems wide, it is truly changing how a system of education works. And the mm-hmm. example I've given to teachers um, before, like something like, okay, here, here's what you can like grasp onto, mm-hmm. is have you ever had a kid leave your classroom and you know that they are not ready mm. to go to the next grade and to tackle those next subjects? And they'll go, yes, like every single one of them has had it. And mm-hmm. it's like, not that personal learning takes that away, but that's the problem that we're trying to at least look at and address how student-centered is something if kids are moving forward not ready Mm. and we're graduating them not ready. You know, those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. every teacher universally has had at least one kid where they can say, I know they weren't ready and they moved forward anyways. Mm -hmm. And so that tends to take, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're trying to talk about, these big ideas and be like, that's just like one example of something that kind of drives us forward. Mm -hmm. So I've had someone um, just, you know, I have people randomly ask me that question all the time. Um, when I say that personalized learning is essentially student-centered learning, then I sometimes get asked the question, well, oh, so you mean like an IEP? IEPs are actually a great example of done well. We say all the time, our special education teachers, mm-hmm. it's like preaching to the choir sometimes with mm-hmm. ones who truly understand Well, and going back to um, the people that I had the privilege of working with and learning from mm-hmm. when I first started, um, in the personalized learning arena mm-hmm. was um, Wendy Bettino and Rick Schreiber. And they, along with uh, Rick DeLorenzo, wrote the book, Delivering on the Promise. And that Delivering on the Promise talks about their story through the Chugach District in uh, Alaska and mm-hmm. how they developed an actual personalized learning system mm-hmm. in their district, system-wide. And that system that they built came off of special ed um, foundation, of a Mm -hmm. special ed foundation. Mm -hmm. So it essentially was, yeah, every kid did have an individualized learning plan. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that every kid has to have a different lesson plan every day either. So there's there's some big differences in that, but... um, you know, it, it is, it's a, it's a tough thing when you go back and try to explain all that is entailed in personalized learning. 
So the example that you gave, Sarah, is a, is a great one. But the example that you just spoke to, Carrie, it is, it is like that. It mm -hmm. is like, you know, when we're talking about meeting kids where they're at and helping them get where they need to be, that's exactly what an IEP is written out to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the individualized part of an mm -hmm. IEP, that's something that we talk a lot about with people, about the difference between something that's individualized and something that's personalized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So how much input does a child typically have in an IEP of saying, these are my goals, yes, and here's how I feel like I can reach mm -hmm. them. I know myself best as a learner, and this is... You know, that, that's a whole other kind of story. Mm -hmm. So the difference also, like definitely looking at the individualized part of it. But um, we look at the chart, I think, that Brain McClaskey came up with of the difference mm -hmm. between differentiation, individualization, and personalization. And that's typically the difference is right. that the kid is the one with guidance from the teacher, right? But still, they're the one driving those decisions. And that's the, a big difference, too. Mm -hmm. All right. I have one question, and I actually did not write it down. I actually thought of it uh -oh. off the top of my head. So here it goes. What about coaches and um, other educational leaders who are in schools and districts where the district's focus is not necessarily on personalized learning yet. I'm glad you said that. All right. <laughs> yet, what do they do in order to be encouraged, to continue to be inspired? Um, is there a network that exists for them? Why, yes, there is, Carrie. <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Oh, yes. Yes. Do tell. So, yeah, we have lots of ways for teachers to um, engage with our network. So um, Twitter is one way, and that is that quickly growing. Um, mm -hmm. We use the hashtag PersonalizedSC. We have almost 1,000 followers, and we just started it this year. And teachers more and more, it started just, um, you know, with us putting out pictures of, like, our PD and the great things that were going on. And now it's starting to transform of um, teachers across the state showing what they're doing and actually linking to documents and then other ones saying, that looks great. Um, so even if you're the lone wolf, you have a, a way to um, access at least what other educators are doing through Twitter. Um, I know we have Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think uh, this podcast and our website and our blog, all of those are just excellent resources. So even if you're on your own, you can not be alone. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, just reach out to us at the Office of PL mm -hmm. because we, we are there for building that network. So... Even if you, you know, you're not on Twitter all the time or, or something like that, but you still want to reach out across your district, across the state, mm -hmm. we can find someone oh, yeah. to put you in touch with and, and try to make those connections for you. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. And to piggyback on what they just said, um, if you click in the bio-esque link of this podcast, you will find our link tree, which will allow you to get in contact with us and access all of our social media. So I want to thank you ladies for joining thank me you. today. And we will be back in a second to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Be sure to connect with the Office of Personalized Learning on social media. Tweet us at PersonalizedSC and follow us on Instagram at SCPersonalize. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a brand new episode every month. 
We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!